Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Sister, is birth work your calling? Do you long to witness and support the awesome power of women as we make life, form kinship, and transform the world through undisturbed mother-centered birth? In your most expansive vision of your life, are you the authentic midwife of your community, walking in total grace, reciprocity, and trust with women through the sacred portal of pregnancy and birth? then our groundbreaking Radical Birthkeeper School is for you. It is an immersive, live, intensive mastermind in all things authentic midwifery that will give you the blueprint and guidance to launch a life-altering, world-shaking Radical Birth brand and business. Think Birth Business Mastermind, life-changing coaching intensive, deep dive into all things birth, step-by-step roadmap for serving women authentically, and the wise woman initiation that you have been dreaming of, all rolled into one epic program that will change your entire life. It is time to become the lighthouse that guides women home to ourselves. Head to freebirthsocietycourses.com slash radicalbirthkeeper now to claim your spot and say yes to your calling. Today I'm bringing you a mind-blowing wild pregnancy story with quite the plot twist. At a supposed 44 weeks gestation with no signs of labor, Rachel began to backtrack on her conception timeline and realized that she actually conceived this baby shortly after an early pregnancy loss at around nine weeks. Since she hadn't tracked the bleeding as a miscarriage, she went on with her pregnancy believing that she was three months further along than she actually was. Her year-long pregnancy went on to prepare her for an intense, nearly 60-hour birth at 42 weeks. Rachel's story is an incredible testament to the mystery of birth, the power of trust and patience, and the magic of sitting in the unknown. So I'm excited to hear your story in its entirety, obviously. (laughs) peripherally I know a bit about it and it's um you know in some ways it's just another normal 
story of a woman being pregnant and having a baby. And then on the other hand, we've got this, uh, you know, pretty interesting spin to it. So I don't want to give too much away. I just want you to take it from here. And I imagine we're probably going to call this episode something like the year long pregnancy, right? Yeah, that would make sense. A long time ago. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, just take us to the beginning of wherever you want to start this story. Okay. So I'll start at like, our conception journey back in, gosh, what year is it? Okay. So (laughs) January, 2021. So last, last January, my husband and I, we went and visited his family in Michigan and we spent a week like surrounded by all his nieces and nephews and younger brother. And we were just like, felt very fulfilled, like spending all this time with children. And we had talked already about wanting children and we came home and like sat on our couch in our quiet house we're just like, what do we do now? <laughs> like, what's going on? And we just kind of like felt this emptiness and we're like, man, like, why don't we just like start this journey? Like, let's call in our baby. And I had already been tracking my period for a couple of years. So I had like a pretty good idea of when I was ovulating. And so we decided to try like the next night. We were just like, all right, let's do this. You know, we didn't do any like sort of special ceremony or anything, but we were just like very conscious about like welcoming in a child. And after a few weeks went by, I like woke up with the worst night sweats I had ever had in my life. And that same day I like started crying about something that I don't normally get emotional about. And I'm like, um, I'm going to take a pregnancy test. (laughs) So I did. And it was positive and we were ecstatic and we were just like super, you know, super excited. I, you know, I got the positive and then I took the next a test the next day to just to like be sure. And it was positive again. And I was like, all right, this is for real. Yeah. And I had like a really easeful beginning. Like I didn't really have any nausea or anything like that. My energy level was pretty high. And then around nine weeks, I had like a lot of cramping and some bleeding but it wasn't like super intense. And, you know, I've done a lot of research and listened to a lot of women's stories. And I'm like, there are so many things that can cause bleeding in the first trimester. So I was just like, I'm not going to seek assistance unless I feel like I really, really need it for some reason. But even if it was a miscarriage, I, I knew that I was going to work through it at home anyway. Totally. So I didn't do anything about it. When it happened, I I did pass like a blood clot about an inch long too. And I was, that, that was the part that really shook me. I was actually on break from work. I like came home to have lunch that happened. And I like saved the clot in a little bowl (laughs) and I was like afraid to examine it. Cause I was like, what if I find a fetus in there? And I called Rob and he came home from work. And we looked at it together and like, it just looked like blood clot. Like it didn't look like there was any sort of, you know, fetal tissue in it. And so I kind of calmed down. I was like, okay, well, if my belly keeps growing, well, now I I still have life inside me. If not, we can conclude that that was probably a miscarriage. And that was really tricky to just kind of like sit in that unknown for a few weeks. And Well, that's kind of the the message of your whole everything story. Yeah, it doesn't (laughs) end there. For anyone listening, you know, I would I would just kind of add to this that cramping and blood loss 
is more likely than not going to lead to miscarriage. Mm-hmm. You know, the the blood loss by itself, not at all, not necessarily, but usually that early, the combination of the two. Yeah. And my guess with the clot and that you didn't see more tissue, my guess, obviously I don't actually know, but my guess would be it just was er- a lot earlier than nine weeks, right? Yeah. So just because you um, released at nine weeks, as I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you could have stopped growing the pregnancy, you know, at three weeks, at four weeks, at five weeks. And so yeah. at that, that early, you're not going to see much most likely. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But and like, like looking who knows at it in stuff? hindsight, right. It, looking yeah. at it now, I'm like, that, that's kind of what makes sense. You and- kind of just pin this as like question mark. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. We'll at first see- I, I definitely had like a full on freak out. Like I, I yeah. mourned it. For a little bit like I I was kind of like oh my gosh like did I just lose this baby but then I kind of like snapped out of it like don't think the worst like maybe it's okay like let's just kind of see where things go and so that's where it was like more difficult a couple weeks went by and then at 13 weeks so like like exactly a month later I had some more light bleeding for a couple of days. I didn't have any cramping mm. this time, but it was like very light, like one panty liner a day light, like just for how many days? For like four or five days, just and so I'm like, hmm. But my belly seemed to keep growing, which is the weirdest part. And so at 17 weeks, <laughs> we actually got married. And I had a very hard time finding a dress that like fit my little bump that I already had. Like I had already popped and, you know, again, in hindsight, I was only like three weeks pregnant. So like that part blows my mind. Well, let's clarify for listeners kind of where we're going with this story. (laughs) Yeah. So basically the original like guest date for this baby was at the end of October, like October 28th was my guest date, you know? And I didn't have my baby until February 9th. So I had like an extra three months, extra over three months of pregnancy that I was not expecting. Oh my God. And I didn't realize this until I was already a month past my guest date. (laughs) I remember in the, in the membership, you were like, 44 weeks uh <laughs> yeah rocking along here and me messaging you being like I think we should try to figure this out yeah and you know still didn't really figure it out until he was born <laughs> totally right okay so but, what is your well like spoiler alert here what is your assessment of what actually occurred yeah so what actually occurred was I had the miscarriage at nine weeks at 13 weeks, I had like another small cycle, I guess, like another bleed. And then we conceived again after that 13 week bleed. So okay. we were like, so that was an implantation bleeding of a new pregnancy or it could have been, I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But would that, would true. those numbers add up? If that was true, you'd be two weeks pregnant at that point. So does the math add up? That would be end of February, and then you birthed in February. No, that doesn't make sense. No, <laughs> very mysterious. So you, if you birthed in February, you most likely got pregnant in what month? 
May actually. So when I like kind of went back and like tried to recalculate it, I remember May 4th was my guess for the date of conception for this baby. And so did you have a full period ever again between the miscarriage and the the, the like pregnancy that stuck? No, other than that light bleed. Little light bleed. Yeah. And that was what month? The light bleed? Um, That was April. Oh, okay. Makes sense. You got pregnant. I'm with you. You got pregnant in January. Nine Mm -hmm. weeks later is end of Feb, beginning of March. Mm -hmm. And then you have the light bleed in April. And then Mm -hmm. we're thinking you get pregnant with this baby beginning of May. Right. Yes. And then you birth him in February. But the head fuck of this whole thing is you never really knew if that was a miscarriage or not. And so you went along your pregnancy, your, what you didn't know was a new pregnancy Mm -hmm. counting from your first pregnancy. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, so, so yeah, I think I hope that will be clear. (laughs) Well, and I really like this story in, in the sense of kind of underlying the, uh, what's the right word? Like like without the ultrasounds, without the doctors, without the, the measurements, without all this stuff, especially being, um, for all of us being kind of new to this, it's not like you're sitting in some council with a hundred elder midwives who all can walk you through this and brainstorm this with you. Right. Like we're just kind of out here, like on our own, trying to figure this shit out together. And so, you know, this stuff does happen and, and, and I think it teaches us a lot. And I love, I love, 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 you know, whenever I checked in with you throughout this pregnancy and throughout this year long, you know, experience, your attitude about it was so, um, I'm sure you had your moments that I didn't see, but your <laughs> attitude was mostly pretty chill and pretty unfussed, you know, even, yeah. even to the head fuck of October, which we'll get to at the end. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I hope that's clear to, to listeners. You, you, you never marked it in your head as a for sure loss. It was kind Mm -hmm. of just a question mark. And therefore you kept with the original dates and therefore thought you were way further along than what turned out to be true. Exactly. Okay. So take us to, (laughs) you said 17 weeks and, you know, some people will see this on YouTube and see that you did air quotes, but Oh Some yeah. People will listen to this and not know. <laughs> so if you're listening, she's air quoting, uh, air quoting 17 weeks because it was actually only like three weeks or so. Yeah. But you had a baby bump. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Is it like um, just psychosomatic at that point? I don't know. Or, or maybe just like my body already geared up Right. started to change started to put on the extra fat stores already and like crazy yeah yeah okay wild okay <laughs> and so yeah I mean I had a really easeful pregnancy when I thought I was like 19 or 20 weeks is the only time that I had any sort of nausea which makes sense because that would have been like uh, five weeks five six weeks and I only got the nausea when I was driving in a car for a long distance. So it, it, and I never actually ended up throwing up. I was just kind of like a few weeks where I was like not feeling great on my commute to work. So when you went to the festival, when you went to Matriarch Rising, yeah. how pregnant did you think you were? 22 weeks. And how pregnant were you really? Uh, that minus 13. So <laughs> like nine weeks. Is that right? 
but you looked pregnant. I know. <laughs> okay, wait, sorry. One more thing and then I'll shut up and I just have to get my head wrapped around this whole thing. Yeah. So when you birthed him in February, what mm-hmm. gestation would, did you, what gestation now do you think you birthed him at? 42 plus one. Okay. Cause I was going to say, maybe it was implantation bleeding. And then what would you have been at from the April, but then you would have been like 46 or something insane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it can't be that. Yeah. Because when I calculated my guest date, I, I mean, I did this like after he was born even. I bet. <laughs> but I, when I finally realized like, okay, this is finally when I give birth. Um, when I calculated that from the, you know, the guess of when he was conceived mm-hmm. on May 4th, which also happened to be the two year anniversary of me and my husband meeting, which is kind of a fun yeah. little tidbit. That's cute. Um, <laughs> it is. But it was January 26th would have been the new like guest date. And when was he born? February 9th. Yeah, that's really, I, I'm, I'm just kind of tripping on. I met you at the festival and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I wouldn't have said you looked 22 weeks necessarily. I mean, obviously women look all different sizes right. at all different gestations, but if you had only been nine weeks, I mean, you, you had like a pregnant belly. Yeah. And that is so crazy. <laughs> this it, is such a crazy story. It blows my mind. Totally. I mean, I went through it and it's still hard to believe sometimes <laughs> by the time I hit what I thought was 30 weeks was when I started to be a little bit concerned because I wasn't feeling like a ton of movement yet. Mm. But I knew, you know, there's a possibility of the anterior placenta being a first time mom, like the sensations that you feel can be delayed in that sense. But by the time I hit, you know, 33 weeks, air quotes, um, I was feeling it more regularly. So I felt good about everything again. Um, but of wow. course I was only 19 or 20 weeks at this point. So it made more sense uh, in hindsight. And then wow. at what I thought was 35 weeks, I had maternity photos done. And, you know, like you said, everybody carries differently. I was not very large, but I, you know, I talked to plenty of other women. I've seen plenty of other pregnancies and what it looks like on people and I was like, maybe I just carry small. I have a short torso. So like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of place for the baby. To right. Go. <laughs> Which so then it means that you're unlikely to carry small. Exactly. So when you were really at the end, were you huge? And were you like, yes. oh, okay. Yes. That was, that was huge. <laughs> oh my God. So by like Halloween, that would have been like a couple days past my guest date. I was like, all right let's blow up the birth pool. Just like have it ready. That way we don't have to like fuss with it whenever I go into labor because mm-hmm. it could be any day now. So we blew up the birth pool on Halloween and it stayed blown up until February. <laughs> um, we ended up flipping it upside down at one point just to not collect dust in it. <laughs> By Thanksgiving, because we had canceled plans for Halloween because we were like, we don't know when this baby's coming. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving we didn't travel Thanksgiving because again I was like well I'm already past my my guest date here but Thanksgiving marked like air quotes 44 weeks and I still had like no signs of labor I was just kind of like man like, I don't even know if this baby's dropped yet like what's going on 
and that's when I finally came to the conclusion that, you know, maybe I had miscarried. I was like, okay. And so <laughs> when, when did you come to my house? What month was it when I palpated you and we had that whole talk? That was the beginning of December. Okay. So this was, it was just a couple weeks after I made the realization. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause by and that I, point we were all sitting around, like, you don't seem like a woman about to go into labor. <laughs> right. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. We we're all like sitting there scratching our heads. Okay. Yeah. And, and you were like, you probably have like a month left to go. And this was like the beginning of December and I was pregnant for two more months. So mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me about your head. like in your spirit from Um, November on, you know, like that's a pretty big deal at the, what did you say? The end of November that you're starting to be like, wait a minute. Yeah. I must have the dates wrong. Like, tell me about that. Cause that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was. Well, I, I always have had this, you know, trust that a baby will be born when they're ready. So I was in no way, trying to like get this baby out even when I was reaching you know what I thought was when he should have been born I wasn't trying to do any sort of even natural induction things um oh my god can you imagine if you did exactly right (laughs) so or you know if I was working with a midwife and you know it's like oh you're past 42 weeks like can't take care of you anymore like I mean there like so many different things could have happened if I had approached this differently, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a mind fuck. <laughs> like I just, it was so hard to wrap my head around and come December, I, I did get emotional a few times, just like, it, like, I just want to meet my baby. You know, I, I met other women who were pregnant, found out they were pregnant after me and were having their babies and I'm just oh sitting God, pregnant. No. I, I remember meeting a woman at, at the festival who told me she was like nine weeks pregnant and she had her baby before me. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was just, it taught me a lot about trust and patience. And I just kept, kept going through it. And was your, was your partner ever like, babe, go to the, go to the hospital and like figure this Mm-mm. out or anything? Not even once. No, he, he was a hundred percent on board with everything from the beginning. I was, I'm very grateful. He was not in that mindset to yeah. try to get me to go seek assistance in any and way. Did you play with that idea? I mean, that would have been totally understandable if, if in October, November, December, you were like, I need some tools here to help me. I, you know, I thought about it, but towards the end of pregnancy, I know that ultrasound can be, I mean, measuring on an ultrasound is not super accurate. And like, it can be variable of up to like eight weeks difference. And I'm like, well, (laughs) it's not gonna help you no I'm like I I know I'm gonna give birth sometime within now in the next eight weeks so like what what is that gonna help me like I know I have got like one or two months left so I was just like that's not that's not gonna help me yeah so Uh, by November by Thanksgiving you're like okay that must have been a miscarriage and then you recalculate and realize based on the facts that you have 
that the new birthing window is probably end of Jan, beginning of Feb, which is three more months, right? Two more months. Two. Well, I knew it was going to be either one or two more months from when I Mm -hmm. realized. And so you're just like, like, how do you settle? I mean, that is nuts, Rachel, (laughs) that you like, I'm just picturing myself like you, you blow up the tub. You're like any day now, 40 weeks, 41 weeks, 42 weeks, 43 weeks. Oh, never mind. Two more months. Like, yeah. And, and you're just okay. Like, I feel like I would have such a freaking <laughs> meltdown. That's just so crazy. Yeah. It, I, and I actually left work when I hit what I thought was 42 weeks. Oh, Cause I right. was like, I was like, maybe I just need to be home and like, just in my space and focus mm-hmm. and, you know, like not keep myself so distracted. And it kind of ended up turning out for the best because my job, even though I talked to them previously uh, in the summertime about maternity leave, they told me I would get it. And then when I left, I was like, okay, so how am I getting my pay for this? Blah, 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 blah. They're like, oh, you don't qualify because you're part-time. I was like, oh, Oh. cool. I talked to you in July about this to confirm. Scary. Yeah. So there was a little hiccup there. But because I had a couple extra months, <laughs> I was able to find a remote job and oh, nice. keep working a little bit. Um, and I ended up working out. But yeah, that was just crazy. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I still feel a little bit saddened about the fact that I didn't properly mourn the loss of my first pregnancy either. Like I had a day where I, was kind of like oh maybe that's what happened and I was you know in shambles and all this but I would have treated it differently if I had solid knowledge that that was a miscarriage but I remember like my grandma calling me be like is everything okay Mm -hmm. yeah we're we're just waiting she's like have you have you talked to someone seen a doctor like and I'd be like yeah, everything's fine. Like I saw a chiropractor once a week during my pregnancy. So when I said I saw a doctor, like I was not lying. (laughs) (laughs) You like send out kind of like a mass text of like, Hey, heads up. I miscalculated my dates. It's going to be a couple more months. Yeah. I, I told my whole family the whole spiel and I actually made a post like a public post on, on Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. Because that was like the easiest way to really reach out to everybody who was mm-hmm. like sitting there anxiously waiting. Um, and I was just kind of like, Hey, um, I don't know if I'm going to be pregnant for another month or another two months. Um, I'll let you know when this baby's here. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting, <laughs> but it was kind of nice. Those last two months, people stopped asking me if the baby was here. <laughs> totally that like, it's like See, that's, that's one way to do it I unlocked you know like they're like oh she doesn't know at all so we're just gonna stop texting her every day <laughs> I'm just picturing like if women just started when people are like when are you due if we if everyone was just like oh I have no idea <laughs> that would well, kind of be amazing that you know I that's kind of what happened at the end. Like people would see me in public. I'd go into a store or something like, Oh, when you're, when are you due? And I'm like, I don't know. Not a clue. Like what? (laughs) I'm like, 
I don't know. <laughs> I love that so much. Totally throws them off. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's funny. Okay, yeah. so take me into final days and, and into your birth story. So yeah, final days, like the last week or so, I developed like the pups rash on my belly. Mm. It was so itchy. <laughs> I could get barely any relief. And I looked into it and it was like, oh, it's more common with boys for some reason. And can also be a sign of them passing the conium. Hmm. I don't I don't know. I, I literally just used Google. Who knows? Um, but I was like, oh, that's cool. But, you know, nothing I could really do about it. And then on the night of February 6th, it was a Sunday. Rob and I, we stayed up late watching TV, went to bed around midnight. And then I woke up at 1.30 with contractions. So I had an hour and a half of sleep and my labor was 60 hours long and I could not no. sleep throughout any of it. No, Rachel, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Amazing. So woke up at 1.30. Um, I was up all night, like moving through each contraction. It was like, I, I started timing them just to get a, an idea of what was going on. They were like 10 to 15 minutes apart. Um, and I was still very much in disbelief that I was in labor because I was like, like, I I never had any sort of like, you know, practice and hicks or practice contractions or whatever like that. Yeah. I never had any of those warm up contractions, nothing. I had no signs. I just woke up and was in it. (laughs) And then by eight 30 in the morning, I had a bloody show and I, broke down crying I just like felt so relieved I was like oh my gosh this baby's finally coming like I'm finally gonna meet my baby and it was just like that was the confirmation I needed you know <sighs> and then by like 9 15 10 a.m I had already thrown up a couple times <laughs> and I was just stopped recording every time I threw up because I, I was just my body was just like you know purging everything Mm -hmm. and so around 10 30 in the morning rob began to fill up the birth pool and you know because it was upside down collecting dust since halloween it was just so cobwebs wild (laughs) yeah it was so surreal i'm like there's water going in there right now like oh oh my my gosh (laughs) so i labored in the pool for a little bit i got out kept laboring in our room um and as a day progressed my sensations got closer and closer together they were between like three and five minutes apart when I stopped timing them and I was just like cool they're getting closer I'm I'm not going to stress myself about this anymore and then around 4 30 I had Rob get some more hot water in the pool started laboring in there again a little bit and then I got out and I was just like so uncomfortable that I couldn't sit anywhere I couldn't lay down I could only be like in hands and knees or on my knees with my hands on the mattress with my head on the mattress so it was like those were like the only two positions I could be in and um I had (laughs) had calluses on my knees for like two weeks after this it was crazy and at 6 15 that day so it was after a full day of labor my water broke and this is all the first day yeah this is all the first day so but it was a 60 hour labor 
Yeah. Damn. So a lot happens in that first day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my waters were open for like a day and a half. Okay. So at 6.15, my water broke and it was filled with meconium. So I was like, cool. But I had educated myself enough to know like that's a variation of normal and I wasn't going to, you know, go seek assistance just because there was meconium in the waters. I knew to look out for signs of respiration, like breathing it in after the baby's born, fever, all that stuff. So I was, you know, excited. My water broke. I was like, oh probably gonna meet my baby by the morning like ah. and but I labored all through the night and all through the next day <laughs> mm. and then I had another night of labor mm. um and yeah it was it was a marathon um I I fell asleep standing up a few times like in between <laughs> contractions and like kind of fell forward and hit my knees on the bed frame <laughs> oh my god and it's just uh, you and Rob right yeah just us um and Rob took a couple much needed naps here and there but he was mostly up with me the whole time yeah um I think that part of it was harder for him than for me like staying up that long (laughs) because I I was doing something (laughs) exactly there's no option for you like you literally cannot whereas (laughs) with him he could fall asleep. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, tell me about that second day and into that second night, like towards the end. I mean, you know, as you know, I had a 52 hours, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling for you and, and, you know, what was it like? I mean, how, how heady did it get for you? You know, how much did you play with options or, or self-sabotage, you know, like, did you make up stories like I did? Like, what was it? Or did you just get like super high and go deep in? Like, what, what was it like to have such a long labor? A little bit of both, honestly. Um, yeah, that, that last night of labor, I, I started to get like really like pushy contractions. I was just like really grunting through them and like getting really low. And I was like, okay, it's like super primal sounding. Um, and I was like, I felt almost like he was kind of stuck, you know, like, so I was kind of like trying to move somehow to get him out. <laughs> but I actually have a friend who's a doula who lives nearby. And I did text her at like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I know it's so early in the morning, but like, is there any way you could come over? <laughs> And she, I didn't hear back from her until like, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And I was like, no, we're fine now. Like I, I was still in labor, but I was like, no, I feel, I feel fine. I just had to like mm-hmm. reach out to somebody. Totally. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, I, by the time I could like feel him like in the birth canal, I was able to like look in with a mirror and see like very pale flesh you know and and it was very wrinkly and I was like I think that's a head but I'm not sure yeah it could be anything (laughs) I'm like I don't know and like that was honestly the hardest part of my labor was like seeing that and not really knowing Mm -hmm. what was coming out because I was like it could be a head which I was hoping for obviously um and I was prepared to deliver a breech baby I was like it's fine if it's not a head if it's just another part of the body but like if it's a cord and I have Mm. a cord prolapse like I know that's a real emergency did not want to have to deal with that so uh 
that definitely like I got in my head a little bit about that and Rob Mm -hmm. told me later on that he was like he he didn't say it in the moment (laughs) but he was like I I wasn't sure what I was looking at I thought like maybe it was like dead flesh and I was like oh my gosh like and then the reality of like a stillborn baby Mm. comes into play like that could have been the reality and so of course like I had to face that too and I think that's an important point here that I think it's very, very common for first-time moms, especially if they're birthing without an experienced birth keeper to kind of reassure them, it doesn't look or feel how you think it will. And, right. and, and also what it physically, like how hard it is coming down, then when you like internally how it feels, but then when you touch it or see it, it like doesn't add up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of disorienting. And, and I, yeah. yeah, I think that's important to kind of highlight for new women, you know, new moms listening mm-hmm. to this, um, who are pregnant and planning to birth without anybody, because it's not unique to be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. You know, like, is that a head? Is that a butt? Is that an arm? Is that even alive? Like, what even is that? And yeah. that's normal. You know, I think, I think most of us wonder that. <laughs> yeah. Like all of that went through my head. Yeah, like, totally. What's going on? Um, and it wasn't super clear that it was ahead until he started crowning. Like, Ugh, yeah, then there's no <laughs> doubt. Oh, yeah, God. exactly. I can still feel it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're so fresh out of it. Um, I, I remember I, I posted somewhere, uh, I think in the membership about like, having these like pushy contractions for so long and I'm just like is this normal like I'm just I feel like I'm just pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing's happening and when when he was born he did have like bruising up on his temples and forehead so he was definitely lodged in there pretty good (laughs) but when it finally got to the morning of the ninth, got through the night again um and around 10 30 or 11 is when I had Rob fill up our bathtub which is just a tub shower so it's small <laughs> not the most comfortable to be like laboring and I tried it once and I was like mm, get me out of here and went back to the birth pool but I needed like that relief of the hot water mm-hmm. um, but I had him do that again because at this point the pool was cold and mm-hmm had like coconut oil floating on the top surface from my skin (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I was like that's just I don't want to be in there anymore yeah yeah so I mean a 60 hour birth (laughs) you're gonna use every corner of your house you're gonna go and try everything (laughs) yeah okay so you get into your tiny tub got into the tiny tub and when I when I started crowning finally Rob was just like okay yeah that's ahead that's ahead he's like you're doing it keep going like he's just encouraging me and there's like a little bar in the shower so I was like holding onto the bar and basically like doing like this wide like sumo squat in the tub and I pushed out his head that way and it was just like such a relief to get his head out and I was like I felt down and I felt his head and I was just like okay like I was kind of in shock (laughs) I was like I was like, this baby's actually coming out of me. <sighs> and then I kind of just maneuvered and got like, not totally on my back, but like a little bit 
reclined to give him with some his head space. out face with his head out Woof. wow <laughs> to give him some space to come out and I was just like he's coming right now like I could tell and I was like he's coming right now and he just flew out into the water hmm. and Rob grabbed him up and brought him to me and his cord was really short so I could only like lift him up to my belly um but he started crying right away and just a tiny little like soft cry even to this day his cry is like very soft oh it's never sounded annoying to me which that might be just you know he's my baby but (laughs) they don't they don't all have soft cries (laughs) exactly yeah it's a nice soft cry and he was face up so (laughs) the the back labor and like the hard labor made more sense to me once I realized he was you know sunny side up as they say yeah and Mm. we just sat in the tub for like an hour and uh, I tried to get him to latch and I couldn't get him to latch that was like a whole nother journey was it was a rough start for our breastfeeding journey um but I I had harvested some colostrum and was able to syringe feed him for the first oh my god oh it was like really bad yeah Oh yeah. He had, uh, I had a lactation consultant come over when he was two days old and he had lip buckle and tongue ties. Mm. And we got those all released when he was two weeks old. But for those first couple weeks, I mean, I was pumping and bottle feeding and formula feeding to, cause my supply wasn't keeping Mm. up. And it was, yeah, it was a whole thing. (laughs) And then after the revision, were you able to figure it out with him? Yeah. By the time we hit like two and a half months, he was fully breastfed. Amazing. Um, But it, yeah, it took some time and it was like, that was, I was not expecting that like at all. I thought that part would be way more useful. I mean, it would have been without those freaking ties. Yeah. You know, like it's nothing that you did. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't. It was was tough, but he is doing great now and he was doing great then uh, after we figured all that out. Mm -hmm. Um, Just definitely an unexpected hurdle that we had Mm -hmm. to get through, which I'm great at going through those at this point. So, (laughs) but yeah, uh, we just kind of hung out in the tub for a little bit after he was born. Um, I also passed a very large clot along with the placenta um, when I birthed that about an hour later. It was like the size of a baseball. It was like four inches wide and like Mm -hmm. round. And I decided that that, one. Yeah, just that one clot. Um, I really didn't bleed a whole lot, which was nice, like very minimal bleeding. And then I decided to just put the placenta in the freezer and it's still there. (laughs) I was thinking we were going to like plant it in the spring, but it just didn't feel right. And Hmm. I I feel like probably on his first birthday, we'll end up doing something Hmm. with it. That feels more, more special. Um, I don't know why yet. We might just bury it. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah. so, I mean, right after, right after birth, then it's like breastfeeding drama for the next two months. It sounds like, yeah. which is, oh 
God, I feel for you. That's so intense. Yeah. And, and so how does, I guess, kind of in, in, in like wrapping this up, how would you say the year long pregnancy and that end of the year, you know, reset and how does that all influence, um, Cause then you go into the 60 hour labor, which, which is absolutely normal for a first time mom. It's absolutely healthy and fine and normal and all of that. But we both know there's not a lot of stories out there of that because right. most women aren't birthing without medical providers and a long labor is going to be pathologized and, and interrupted um, yeah. way before it reaches 60 freaking hours. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I would imagine that there's so many lessons wrapped up that then serve you not just in your 60 hour birth, but then in this nursing mm -hmm. struggle and yeah, just kind of like, who are you after all of this and anything you want to speak to about that? Yeah. Uh, I feel like this whole situation has just taught me so much about trust and about patience. And, you know, I had a moment where I was like, you know, I, I consider myself a pretty intuitive person, but when I realized that I didn't actually realize I had a miscarriage, I'm like, well, was my intuition like leading me astray? Like, mm. was I not, you know, as intuitive during this pregnancy as I thought I was because I didn't catch that. And I kind of beat myself up about that mm. a little bit. Like, how did I not know, you know? Um, but at the same time, I was still in high spirits. And I feel like that really encouraged the next baby to come through. You know, um, we were still very open to there being life growing inside me. And mm -hmm. so there was, mm -hmm. you know, after some time, but yeah, overall, I'm just, I'm a very easygoing person, very adaptable, something if I'm waiting for something, I like, I'm a, I'm a very patient person. Clearly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't true. name your son patience. <laughs> I uh. did look up names <laughs> that, that meant that. <laughs> that, yeah, meant I, that. I didn't, I didn't find anything I liked. His name is Wilder. And we decided on that name long before the wild pregnancy journey mm -hmm. got wilder and wilder but it just seemed very fitting at the end of everything but yeah I feel like whenever I do have another baby it's going to feel like a breeze yeah. although I'll probably be slapped with something else unexpected oh guaranteed <laughs> guaranteed but uh hopefully I'll at least know how pregnant I am <laughs> that'll be nice to mm -hmm. not be mentally pregnant for 54 weeks because uh yeah amazing I love this story yeah <laughs> and I'm so proud of you for sticking with the breastfeeding you know it's it's understandable that lots of women don't in those circumstances yeah. and you know I hope I hope that is a takeaway from the story that women here especially who are listening on the brink of of birth you know is there is there is hope on the other side mm -hmm. of the revisions and, you know, you don't know what baby will be born with these ties. They're so prevalent. And yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of misdiagnosed stuff and stuff you can do without it. But when it's severe, like you, you kind of got to do it if you want to nurse. And yeah, I know plenty of free birthing mothers who their babies have 
you know, really extreme ties and, and if they stick with it and they get the revisions and, and they stick with it, you know, and they do the right rehab afterwards and Mm -hmm. they have beautiful, beautiful, long nursing relationships. And you're one of those women to live, to tell the tale. And it's so important because so many women are just like, this is never going to work, you know? Yeah. And it definitely felt like that for a while. And I, you know, I was like, is it something with my anatomy too? Like not having like super protruding nipples or something like, is it harder for him to, to latch because of my body Mm. and, you know, looking into that, I'm like, I I know that that's not a factor. And yeah. And I have, yeah, my my chiropractor, she would talk to me about getting her baby's ties revised. And she was like, oh, yeah. After about three weeks, it was like smooth sailing. And I hit like the six week mark after it. And I was still struggling. And I'm like, mm. I'm like it's got to come to an end sometime. Like, yeah. And it did. It did. Yeah. It was like two and a half months of struggling with that. that that's what, like <laughs> 10 weeks? Yeah. 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 And so it was like eight weeks after his ties were revised that we finally got it down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good for women to hear. Yeah. Well, you're a warrior mother. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, just for sticking with it and, and like staying, you know, steady on the course and, and reaping the benefits, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was very determined to establish a breastfeeding relationship. I was very determined to... <laughs> have this birth how I intended to have it no matter how long I had to wait for it so (laughs) amazing I love it I'm so proud of you definitely proud of myself too Mm -hmm, good to stick with it it was well worth it yeah awesome (laughs) well thank you so much thank you and and you helped me out too talking (laughs) help me talk through stuff and And thanks for having this podcast too, because I'll tell you, I listened to so many while I was pregnant and just hearing other women's stories. Yeah. That's, that was like one of my biggest motivational factors is knowing that there are so many variables as to how this can go. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, just because my story doesn't look like somebody else's doesn't mean it's not right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, that's, that's why we have to tell these stories is exactly what what you just said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. (laughs) And that's it for today. My sisters check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise, and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. 
this sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralysing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts. Keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly 